by Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Thank you, Pastor Joe. Well, good morning. Y'all look good. <laughs> Will y'all bow with me as we just say a word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we just we thank you for this morning. Lord, that your word says uh, every day your mercies are made new, Father. We thank you for all that you've done, for what we're celebrating this morning, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Father, I just, I give this morning to you, Father. We invite the Holy Spirit uh, presence to come and reveal truth to us this morning. Open your word, open our ears, open our eyes and hearts to receive life this morning. Lord, I believe and I proclaim right now, Father, this morning you are going to replace death with life. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, I told the first service this morning that I came in uh, literally to this morning prepared with a three-point message. And I don't know why we usually have three points, uh, if there's a point to it or not. But God spoke to me and he said, there's only one point to this message and so I got rid of two of them, and, and I thought that, uh, and I told Pastor Darrell this morning, I thought it was going to actually uh, shorten the message, but lo and behold, it didn't. Uh, so it wasn't about length, it was just about point. And I believe God has something He wants to speak to us this morning, and it's a very clear message. If you have your Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 23, and we're going to get there in just a moment. But before we get into that, I just want to state that Jesus Christ is the risen king who is victorious over death. He was recognized by his disciples and uh, literally seen by over 500 after his resurrection. And he fulfilled every prophetic word regarding him in scripture. And he is now seated at the right hand of God the Father, enthroned in heaven. And also, if you are a believer who has accepted him as Lord and Savior, he is enthroned on the throne of your heart. The truth of the resurrection is the foundation of our faith and theology and life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. It's not just a doctrine to believe, but a truth that will change us entirely if we believe and allow Jesus Christ to be the living Lord and Savior of our life. The resurrection is history-making. It's earth-shaking, life-transforming, and eternity-changing truth. And you may believe it. You may have heard it. You may understand it. But do you realize how it totally changes everything? Have you comprehended the truth that Jesus Christ really accomplished in his death and resurrection? He made us, if we believe, entirely new creations. He takes what's dead and brings it to life. We are going to look at the Gospel of Luke in a moment. But before we do, I want to take you to a scripture that we looked at a few weeks ago. It's actually in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, verse 23. And this is in the Old Testament when God took the children of Israel out of Egypt. And it says, He brought us out from there that He might bring us in. Moses was telling the people, God didn't take us out of Egypt just to make us free, just to take us out of slavery. He took us out of slavery to bring us into freedom and into the promised land. And not only into a promised land, but into a relationship with God himself. 
Exodus 6, 7, this is God speaking. He says, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Jesus Christ took our sin and punishment on the cross, but he did it for so much more than just to cleanse us from our sins. He did it that we might have a relationship with him and the father. Adam and Eve had that relationship with the father. Uh, In Genesis, it says they literally walked with him in the cool of the day. But when they sinned, that relationship was broken. And the rest of the Bible is telling us how God was making a plan to restore that relationship. Revelation says that before the foundation of the world, before he even created Adam and Eve, before they sinned, he had already known that Jesus Christ was going to have to come to restore the broken relationship that he knew we were going to break. But he planned for it in advance because he loves us. He loves you that much. It's all about him wanting to have a relationship with us. And so often we get hung up on, well, it's about getting to heaven. It's about having our sins forgiven. We just want to get clean. And yes, he accomplished all that. But why? So that we could have a relationship with him. So we could walk with the living, resurrected Jesus Christ. In Luke 4.18, Jesus quoted and fulfilled what the prophet Isaiah said. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, we read, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. John 8.36 says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And what I want us to grasp this morning is that He sets us free, but He sets us free to something. Hebrews 9.11-14 through 14 sums all of this up really well. It says, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption, an eternal redemption, an everlasting redemption, a never-ending redemption. If you have believed in Jesus Christ, you are cleansed forever. Why? To have a relationship with Jesus Christ and His Father and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He purifies us to save us from sin, to serve a living God. Look at that last verse 14. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? He purified us to serve the living God. Jesus Christ set us free that we might be free to serve God. Apart from that freedom, apart from that life in Jesus Christ, it is impossible for us to serve God. Only in that freedom, only in that life that He gives us, are we now set free to serve. 
And so often we either forget that part or gloss over or we don't want to think about it. And we say, no, but I just want heaven. I just want my conscience cleared. I just want to be to know that my eternal life is is safe. But now I'm going to live the way I want to live and do the things that I want to do. That's absolutely not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not true. He set us free that we might be free to serve the Father, just like Jesus Christ humbled himself and in every way served the Father. Everything that he did, everything that he said was in obedience to the will of the Father. And now through his resurrection, he has made us free, sent us the Holy Spirit to endue us with power that we might also be free and empowered to do the will of the Father and serve him. We're going to talk about the resurrection. We're going to get to Luke 23 in just a second. But something that I felt like it's in the same lines of what we already have been talking about. But I feel like God uh, just was showing me something in in the worship as we were worshiping this morning. Um, And it's that the disciples just doubted. We're going to look at how over and over Jesus tried to teach them, to show them. But until he died, until he resurrected, until the Holy Spirit came to to give them power, they just didn't get it. He told them over and over and over things, and it just didn't sink in. And so often I think it's easy for us to judge them and think, well, we would have got it if we had been there. But it's easy in hindsight to look at everything that happened and say we understand. But in the midst of it, how many of you in the midst of your problem, it's hard to have faith in what God said? We know it to be true, but when we're in the middle of it, we just don't see it. And that's what happened to the disciples over and over. The first example is when the disciples, they were on a boat and Jesus is teaching and he's telling them about uh, sin and leaven and the bread. And the disciples start talking amongst themselves and they say, Jesus is upset because we forgot the bread. That's what that's what this lesson's about. He's just upset because we forgot to bring the bread. And Jesus says, it says he knows what they're thinking. He starts talking to him. He says, really, guys, do you not remember when I multiplied the loaves and we fed five thousand and then another day I fed four thousand? And how many baskets did we have over left over? In one case, there was twelve and the other there was seven. And he's like, do you really think? I'm worried about the lack of bread. You know, is that the problem? They just didn't get it. They didn't understand. The next thing that happens is, in our example, there's, there are plenty of examples of the disciples not getting it. Um, but the next one that I, that I just wanted to mention this morning was uh, in, the, in the Last Supper, when Jesus is having communion with the disciples, he's telling them uh, about Someone is going to betray him. One of the 12 disciples is going to betray him. And he tells them how uh, they're going to know because they ask. They say, well, how is he going to be or who it is? I'm sorry. He asked, who is going to betray you? And he says, well, I, at one point I'm going to dip my hand in a cup and he's going to dip with me. And later I'm going to hand him something. That's who it is. And so both of those things happen with Judas 
And then Judas even says, is it I, Lord, or is it I, Rabbi? And Jesus says, you said it yourself. Go do quickly what you must do. And so he leaves the room. So you'd think the disciples would get it, right? They just, they asked who it was going to be. They asked how they'd know. Jesus told them how they'd know. And then he walked right through it. They have an open conversation. Judas goes. And the disciples start talking amongst themselves. They say, where'd Judas go? Where's Judas going? What's he going to do? And then it says, because he was the um, treasurer, you know, he held the funds. They're like, well, maybe he's going to buy some supplies for the feast. Or maybe he, Jesus wants him to go help out a poor lady or something. Maybe that's where he went. It's like, where do they come up with this? You know, were you, were you not just here? They just didn't get it. They didn't understand what was going on. And in Matthew 16, 21, this is after Jesus comes in from the triumphal entry. And it says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And then in Matthew 17, 22, it says, as they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the son of man is about to deliver to be delivered into the hands of men. Jesus told them exactly, step by step, what was going to happen, and they didn't get it. They didn't understand. We all, or I would assume most of us, know this story that Jesus goes through this process, and guess what? The disciples are confused. They don't know what's going on. They're not expecting Him to come back. They really think he just died. And that's why this morning we're talking about and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because the resurrection changes everything. It changes everything. And what I believe God told me this morning, this whole message is really on on doubt, you know, and not believing that the disciples saw these things and they just didn't get it. They just didn't believe. And it took the presence. It took the living, breathing Jesus Christ coming to, to wake them up, to show them the truth and to send the Holy Spirit, to give them boldness. And all of those things are true. And we're reminded of that this morning and we're celebrating that this morning. But what I heard him say during worship is the same way they don't, didn't believe, the same way they didn't get it. You don't believe and you don't get it. And I want to reference you back to those verses we just read a minute ago. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. He didn't set us free just to save us. He set us free to something, to serve the living God, to hear Him, to know Him, to respond to Him. To have that power of the Holy Spirit in us to guide us. And we don't believe it. Because if we did, we would be living a different life. We would really be free. We would let him take what was dead and bring it to life. Those things in your life that you that's just falling apart, that doesn't make sense, that appears dead. And Jesus said, I died so that could be resurrected to life. But we don't believe it. We doubt. We're like the disciples and the women that go to the tomb who come expecting a dead body. If you turn to Luke chapter 23, look at verse 50. 
It says, Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. And it was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. Verse 55, the women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. So it was the Sabbath day, so they couldn't prepare his body for burial. So it says they got together everything that they needed and then they rested. You know what they were doing? They were getting ready to to prepare a dead body. Because they didn't think he was coming back. All that was for was so that he didn't start to stink when his body began to decompose. They didn't believe what he'd said. They were sad. They were broken hearted because they thought he's dead. And they missed. They didn't understand everything that he had clearly told them that, yes, this is going to happen, but I'm coming back. Chapter 24, verse 1, it says, But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, expecting to find the dead body of their uh, teacher. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, they were confused. They didn't understand Behold, two men, two angels stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their face to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Or, I'm sorry, he says, Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified and on the third day rise. And then they remembered his words. Like, remember, he told you. He told you what was going to happen, but you didn't believe. You've come to the place of the dead. And they weren't looking for the living. That's what the angels are saying. You're looking for the living among the dead because Christ was alive. But they didn't believe that. So they went to the place of the dead. He's in the business of taking dead things and bringing them to life. He set you free so so that you could live in freedom. To restore a relationship that's broken. It says he came to heal. But do we believe that he's really going to heal? Really going to take the deaf and let them hear again? Really take the blind and let them see again? Really take the lame and let them walk again? He came to restore. But we don't believe it. Just like the disciples. Just like the women, we don't believe that he's going to do what he really said he was going to do. We struggle with addictions to drugs, to pornography, to whatever. Because we don't really believe that he can set us free. And Jesus says, I'm sorry, the angels say, you keep going back to the place of the dead. But it's with the living. He did everything. He made every preparation to take what was dead 
and bring it to life. And he says, when he comes into us, all things are made new. You are a new creation. Everything that was dead has been brought to life. We're alive in Christ. We have power in Christ. He's endued us with the power of the Holy Spirit. He's enabled us to do everything that he's called us to do because he's resurrected. He's alive. He didn't stay in the tomb. But they didn't get it. They just didn't get it. They went back. The women went back and tell the disciples what happened. And they didn't believe them. It says Peter ran to go see for himself. In Luke 24, verse 13, it says that very same day, this is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. There was two of these disciples that had just heard the testimony of the women. We'll get to that in a moment. They were there when these women came back and then they get on the road and they're walking a seven mile journey to Emmaus. And in verse 14, it says, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And listen to this. They stood still looking sad. They were sad. We know they didn't believe the testimony that they heard or they would have had a different story to share with Jesus. And they wouldn't have been looking sad. Verse 18. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him. Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Verse 19. And he said to them, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Notice they're exactly telling the story that Jesus said would happen. They're just leaving out the part that he would be resurrected. And they knew that part too, and they know somebody said he was, but they haven't seen it for themselves, so they still don't believe it. Verse 21, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. To me, that's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. They're sad walking down the road as we just read, and they had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel, but didn't believe it because they thought he was dead. They didn't believe he'd resurrected to life. And they say, yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us, and they were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. But we know they didn't believe it. Or they wouldn't. Would you be sad if you didn't believe that story? The story they would have told Jesus was, have you not heard? The Redeemer of Israel has come. And it was prophesied that he was going to live. That he said he was going to be crucified. And on the third day he would rise and he's alive. But it said, no, they were sad. They were downcast. And they said, we had hoped. That he was the redeemer of Israel. But that's not the way it played out. We must have been wrong. Verse 24 says, Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. 
but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He went back through all those prophetic words and said all of those pointed to the Christ. And he was talking about himself, but their eyes still weren't opened. And this is where we talked about communion last Sunday. They finally got to where they were going and he stayed. And when he blessed the bread, and when he broke it and when they shared communion with him, when the resurrected Jesus Christ was present with them, then their eyes were opened and they knew who he was. But then it says he, he vanishes. And it says that very hour, that moment, they haul tail back to Jerusalem and they tell the rest of the disciples what they just experienced, what they just saw. Well, guess what? Apart from seeing the physical Jesus Christ, they're still doubting, but we see that Jesus appears to all of them so they come back they're telling everybody the story in verse 36 it says as they were talking about these things jesus himself stood among them and said to them peace to you but they were startled and frightened and they thought they saw a spirit they still didn't believe he was really alive that it was him in flesh and blood they were startled and frightened And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do you do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. They physically touched him for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. So not only did they physically touch him, he ate food to just say, look, guys, I'm really here. I'm real. Verse 45, then he opened their minds. The living, breathing resurrected Jesus Christ who came to those disciples to walk on the road with them and now came to the other disciples and the other people in that room who still didn't believe and he came to be with them and he opened their eyes and then he says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance For the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So Jesus says he opened their eyes to the truth. They finally get it. They finally understand. And he says, okay, y'all understand. But my father can't send the Holy Spirit until I go. He told them that before and he tells them later when he leaves. He says, it's better for you. It's better for us that he goes to heaven, that he returns to heaven so that the father can send the Holy Spirit. And he says, basically what he says here is don't do anything. Don't do anything stupid before I come and give you the ability. Before I come and walk with you. Before the Father sends the Holy Spirit. And and these men, these women, these people 
who could never get their act together, who could have something literally right in front of their face and somebody telling them this is going to happen and then 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 this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens and they're like, I wonder what's going to happen next. (laughs) I mean, you wouldn't believe it if it wasn't there. Who would write this story about themselves? Look how big of an idiot I am. Over and over and over and over again. That's the testimony that we see. They didn't believe. They didn't get it. They didn't understand. But when Jesus Christ came back from the dead and walked with them and came to them and then says, okay, boys, don't don't get excited just yet. Wait here. Don't move. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, but we're going to send me in the fire. We're going to send the Holy Spirit. It's going to be okay. It's going to be better. And that's where we live. And we see their lives transformed. And then these people, Peter couldn't stand up to a little girl. He denied Christ three times. He cursed the little girl out because she was saying, you're with him. And then they're transformed into bold proclaimers of Jesus Christ. And then they don't care if you're going to persecute them or kill them. They're going to stand on the foundation of what they know, absolutely know to be true. And that's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, came. He lived. He died. And He came alive on the third day. And then He sent the Holy Spirit. Acts tells the whole story. He took what was dead and brought it to life. And he said, and then they proclaim, and he'll do it for you. We talked a few weeks ago about the word witness, that the only way that you can be a witness is if you have experienced it yourself. If you don't have a relationship with the living Lord and Savior, not just a knowledge about him, not knowing that it happened or thinking that it happened. The Bible says that the, believe, the demons... Believe in God and shudder. But they're not applying the blood of Jesus to their souls. Because he's not their Lord and Master. He made a way for all of us. But that way has to be received. It has to be appropriate. It has to be applied. And we have to believe it. But he says, if you believe, you'll be set free. And that's where we come in. Do we believe? Or are we like the disciples and we think, I'm still not so sure. I'm going to the dead places of my life to look for corpses. To see the destruction, to see the disaster that the enemy has wreaked on my life, on my relationships with my kids, on my relationships with my family, in my addictions to drugs, in my addictions uh, to pornography, in my... uh, Addiction to work. Whatever it is that we fill in all these gaps. And we go to the dead places of our lives to find and look at the corpses and think, yep, it's still dead. I'm still struggling with that. 
I still can't shake that off. I still can't have victory. I still can't do anything with that. I'm trying to carry it around. I'm trying to lift it up. I'm trying to walk with it. But it's just not working. And the angel said, why are you coming to the place of the dead looking for the where it's not here because it's alive? And if we have believed, and if Jesus Christ is the Lord of our life and our Savior, He has taken everything that was dead and proclaimed life. In every area of our life. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It does the, Jesus promised trials. He promised suffering. He promised persecution. He promised it was going to be hard. And these men that failed and struggled at the least resistance, when they finally got the truth, and when they waited, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, everything changed. And that's the truth of the gospel. That's the truth of the resurrection, that everything can really change. He's freed us, and if Christ sets you free, you're free indeed. But we have to believe it. And if you've witnessed that, if you've seen that, if you've experienced that, then your kids know it. Your coworkers know it. Your family knows it. Because every time they get around you, they say something's different about you. And as you go through these trials and tribulations and these circumstances and these hard times, and when it looks like everything is dead, you can say, no, the living, breathing Christ is right with me. He said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He said that I can have peace in the midst of adversity. He can replace uh, our mourning with joy. In the midst of every circumstance, you can be confident that the living, resurrected Christ is with you if you've accepted Him as your Lord and Savior. But there's, there is one requirement. You have to let the old life die. You have to let that go to the grave. And it can't be resurrected again. You have to let it go. And you have to say, Father, I give it all up. I give every desire I have, my flesh, my desire, everything that I want, I give it to you. I don't hold anything back. Anything that you want from me, it's yours. Anything that you want me to do, I'm going to do it. Jesus in his life over and over and over humbled himself and did things that none of us would ever want to do. But he did it in obedience to the Father. He's going to ask you to do things that you don't want to do. I absolutely guarantee it. But if you really let the old die, and you really made him your Lord and Savior, and he's endowed you with the power of the Holy Spirit, then we'll be like the Acts disciples, not the Gospel disciples. Because he's changed us. He's brought us to life. He's set us free. And then we can go to every area of our life and expect life. Do you go to the areas of problem in your life right now and expect life? 
knowing God is going to do something in this situation. God is going to do something only he can do. And all that he's asking of me is to be obedient. Whatever you want, God. Whatever you want in this situation, I'll do. I only have one expectation, Father. Life. You're going to take this thing and you're going to speak life. And we believe it. And we can see it. And then we can be witnesses to what God has done in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you that you did what only you could do. You sent your Son to live as the perfect example. And he was obedient to death to make a way to restore our relationship with you, all of it, because you, the God of heavens and earth, the Lord of all creation, wanted a relationship with us. And you were willing to do anything, anything to restore it. And you did. And we receive it. We thank you for it. Father God, I pray that you, through your Holy Spirit, give us a new revelation this morning beyond salvation to the relationship that we now have with you and your son Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that you've sent within us, the living son of God, seated at the right hand of the Father, ready to bring everything that's dead in us, everything in every circumstance in our life that is dead. You're ready and waiting to bring it to life, Father. I speak life in the name of Jesus. Father, I break the curses over people's lives right now. Father, we speak healing to those who are sick. Father God, I speak restoration to every marriage in this place. Life in the name of Jesus. We will not accept death anymore and we're going to go into this world and proclaim life to those that are dead and expect resurrection in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you spoke life. We give you all praise and all glory and all honor. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.